John chapter 8 verse 11 Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. These are the last words that Jesus said to the woman who was standing there in the midst of a crowd who was ready to stone her to death. A savior who saved her. Although she deserved to die according to the ma law of Moses. Yes, let us explore the chapter on John where we recollect the story about a woman caught in adultery. Welcome back to a Young Heart Podcast and as usual, let's start with a prayer. Jesus and Mary, we do this podcast out of love for you both. Oh Jesus, King of love, I put my trust and thy merciful goodness, that you will grant me the grace to do this according to your will. My Lord, I offer this through the Immaculate Heart of Mary at the foot of Jesus' cross for conversion of sinners, salvation of souls in purgatory, especially for those that are in need of your mercy and prayers. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Come, Holy Spirit, Come by means of the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, your well-beloved spouse. O Jesus, come into us. Give us the grace to understand the scripture. O Holy Spirit, come and clear our mind of all sinfulness that is stopping ourselves to see the glory, to see the message hidden inside the scripture. O Jesus, as we listen to your words, let that word transform us into a new person. Lord Jesus, we surrender all those who struggle to come closer to you, all those who do not understand the meaning behind the scripture, but rather criticize it. Lord, wash them in the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus, one drop, one drop of blood that flows from your body is enough to cleanse us. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to Son, and to Holy Spirit, as it was the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So, as we were talking about chapter 8 from John's Gospel, a woman caught in adultery. It's not just a mere story of someone who was caught in the act of adultery and Jesus, you know, being very wise and rhetorically answering and responding to that situation in a very wise way, as we see. It is more than that. It also connects to our interior life. 
each time when we look at the gospel, there is a special way that the gospel messages, especially the gospel of John, can be talking to us. Um, let's start with verse 1. You know, So the first verse, it talks about how, Then each went to his own house, while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So where do we hear about Mount of Olives? We hear about Mount of Olives from the Passion story. So we don't hear this um, until... We, we don't hear about this place until we come to like the Passion Week. Um, and we hear about how Jesus went through this great sorrow. And if you know um, how olive, um, especially like olive oil or like olive olives are used, they are like pressed and pressed and pressed until that oil, that oil and especially olive oil, if you go to the store, you know like it's of high quality and it costs a lot of money. Until this oil is like come comes out of the these beautiful olives olives, um and we use this um and it's you know like back in the day they would use it as like a healing healing remedy and everything, um and even now like for healthy diets and stuff, olive oil is something that is always recommended. So you see how Jesus is praying in this mountain. So when it says in the verse 1, each went to his own house. So who are these each people that were with Jesus? Um, the first thing we would probably think about is the apostles themselves, right? So the apostles who were with Jesus, they probably went to their own house, you know, to take care of their own businesses. But Jesus, it's not like um, if, if, if he wanted to, he could have found many other things to do or take care of. But that was like not, what he did but rather he went to mount of olives and we know when we reflect about the passion week he went to mount of olives not just to simply there or to enjoy the beauty but he was rather there and every time he goes to a mountain we know why does he go there he goes there to pray and being in that presence jesus is being reminded of the mission that god the father is sending him to um god the father is sending him to this mission um, a mission to save us from our sins. And as we go deeper into uh, the last few verses, um, and especially in John chapter 8, um, as we go, go down, it talks about like um, our sinfulness and everything. And we realize that we... We are... We, Jesus talks about how he, belong, he does not belong to this place we he does not belong to below but rather he belongs to the above um and what's about we would say heaven we call it heaven but rather we belong to below so he's not saying like oh wait wait um some of you kind of belong to whatever is below and what is below hell um or like this world we belong to this world and um it also connects to where it says how this world who is the prince of this world? The prince of this world is the evil one, um, Satan. And so we who belong to this world, who are supposed to belong to what is below, which he is signifying that there was none of you who actually belonged to heaven, meaning we all deserved sin. We all deserved sin. And and the worst is not only did we deserve sin, but we would not accept it, one, um, like our own fate. And two, 
we were willing to look at others being judgmental. We were ready to condemn others to hell rather than seeing our own sinfulness and recognizing that we ourselves belong to hell to begin with. We don't realize the saving power of the crucifixion, but we rather like look at, oh wait, um, yeah, he's living such an immoral life. He is going to hell. And that is something that we see happening in this um, John chapter 8, where you see a woman caught in adultery. And you see Jesus, how like he went to the Mount of Olives and it just says that he went there and we can assume like, and the next verse starts by saying, but early in the morning, he arrived again. So we, we can assume, so pretty much Jesus did not even go to a house. He was there in the Mount of Olives the entire night. And then he came in the morning. Um, you know, Jesus is a human being just like us. And more than any other human being, he also had the fatigue of sleep and tiredness, but rather he chose to give that up, the the appetite of his body, so that he can be with his father, so that he can spend that entire night. You know, if you think about his day, during the entire day, he was ministering to people. But when it was nighttime, the entire nighttime, he was ministering, he was, he was being with his father. No minister can gain strength from his ministry alone. If you are a minister, if you are somebody who works in the church, and if majority of the time you spend in, um, you know, doing activities and planning for things and getting people ready, doing, con- um, you know, organizing an event, um, you know, maybe it's youth group or religious education, faith formation, RCIA, or whatever it is, but you spend very few hours, um, maybe even very few minutes in prayer, I am so sorry, but our actions are going to be worthless. We need to look at the model that Christ sent us. Christ, who was perfect, perfect son of God, if he had to dedicate his entire night in prayer for his ministry that he was going to take over during the day, how much more should we be praying? something that we need to ask ourselves but rather when our day starts perhaps we do our little daily routine of prayer maybe it might be going for mass um, and the next thing you know you open your email or I open my email and we see all of these messages or we get involved in a conversation right after holy mass we are engaging in a conversation where we are putting judgment upon someone without even knowing the entire story. Perhaps we saw one news article and that was enough to turn us down. Um, And trust me, when I see certain news articles, it hurts me, but do I know the entire story? Am I worthy to judge anyone? No, that's why Jesus says, um, they, they ask, like they ask him, sir, can we stone her? And he says, well, the first one among you who is without sin let her let that be the person to stone her and they all stopped so you see this group of people and you it's funny because this is happening in the morning it's, it's almost as if and it says that um the all the people 
This, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. It's almost as if during the night, um, they were, you know, like previous day, they were watching and they were, they were waiting and they were, they were literally like um, on the tails so that they can catch this woman. And we hear no mention of the man who was involved, which sometimes makes us wonder, um, was this like a planned sort of attack? Um, you know, was somebody like, you know, in order to, because they were saying like, they actually brought this woman in front of Jesus so that they can find something wrong against Jesus to charge him. So, you know, they all, you see all of this motivation, you know, they're trying to find something wrong against this woman so that they can use that incident to find something wrong against Jesus. This continuous, um, ongoing process. And so it kind of makes us wonder. So it makes me wonder too, even if this man who was involved, was he in somehow, shape or form um, helping these scribes or Pharisees, you know, like um, know that this was going to happen, like because they probably knew who are the women who are potential to engage in these activities in that town. And as we continue with verse 2, it says that in the early morning, Jesus had arrived in the temple area and all the people started coming to him and he sat down and taught them. Before Jesus taught them, what did he spend, what did he spend his previous night doing? In verse 1, he went to the Mount of Olives. And this comes back to the point where no matter what ministry we are doing, we need to pray. And this is sometimes um, something that I personally struggle with. I remember like each time I record the podcast, um, I try to make sure at least I can do an hour of prayer um, before I record. And um, sometimes I don't get to do that. And when I don't get to do that, I, I don't want to do my podcast. You know, like I'd rather not record um, than then simply record and give you guys something that's worthless of your time and mine. Um, but I remember like, you know, like today, sometimes I, I mean, as your routine, prayer should come as a routine in your life because um, we hear Jesus going to the mountains, not this first time. There are many times you hear, okay, Jesus went up to the mountain. You know, he he was there. For example, we see when the oceans were turning over and Peter was trying to walk on the sea, when Jesus walked on the sea, that was actually because Jesus was up in the mountain praying and he saw the disciples in the boat and he was trying to like walk up to them um, and towards towards dawn, early dawn, middle of night. So you see them, you see this happening where Jesus is, it's not like he engages in prayer, um, you know, very few times. He continuously try to be with his father because only when we're with the Lord, we'll get to know what his will is. I remember like, um, so I teach religious education and especially for middle schoolers. And when I was teaching for middle schoolers, um, I remember the first semester, um, first year that I was teaching, I got very excited. I got my curriculum, the textbook, and I saw the curriculum and I got excited because the curriculum had a lot of things. And I was just like, this is all so good. And I wanted to engage in that teaching and, you know, teach them everything that I can. And I got very excited about my faith. And I started researching and finding so many videos and articles. And I wanted to share all of it as much as I can to the best of my ability to my um, religious education students. And I did that. But in the end, I felt like I just gave them a lot of information 
Um, and it felt perhaps maybe for them it might have been overwhelming. I wouldn't have known. But the following year, I remember I was just... And also even that year, like when I started teaching, I realized how hard it was to teach, which caused me to grow in my spiritual life. So I started making reparation. I started breaking. I started offering prayers for these children. The next year came, I was like, oh, I need to do this ahead of time. Like not wait till religious education started, like do this couple of months ahead of time. So I started making my reparations ahead of time. Um, and then that year, it actually became a more fruitful year. So this year I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm going to have everything planned out. So I like sat down in my computer. I like made a plan on what I was going to go through each of our class sessions. And I was feeling kind of happy about it and everything. You know, I, I thought I prayed about it and I made the schedule and everything. But a couple of um, weeks into maybe like a couple of months into that school year for religious education, what happened is uh, I was spending time in adoration and then Jesus was inspiring me things to teach these children for the upcoming week, which meant that I needed to change my, which meant that I was not following the schedule that I probably planned a year ago. So it was kind of like a little like, oh, Jesus, really? Like, because, you know, I, I, I wanted to be organized and structured and follow my schedule. But, you know, I always wanted to be open to the will of the Lord. So I was like, yes, Lord. Yeah whatever you want, I'll teach that. So I, I changed everything. And in the moment, spontaneously and everything, I brought the class, um, whatever Jesus was inspiring me. And it's funny because I would see how Jesus each week, he would inspire me um, with something for that children um, when it was my time to teach because I would take turns with my friend. And one thing that I realized during that time is um, how much, like sometimes when we, we try to rely on God's will, but even if we rely on God's will, sometimes can be deceiving our own mind, our own selfishness can deceive us into creating what we want instead of what God wants to provide these students. So it's very important that we spend in time and in prayer. And if we don't make sacrifices for the people that we're going to minister to, um, it won't be as fruitful. Now, God's mercy might come upon these people, especially the people who are attending, who are cooperating, who are coming there with an open heart, with their own sacrifices and brokenness. But if we are not doing our part, um, then we won't be able to, They then everyone who's coming won't be able to reap the fruits of that. So I encourage you strongly to no matter what ministry you do, for example, make a reparation. And it is, is an example. Um, you can fast for them. Um, one way you can fast for them is you can give up one meal. Or you can give up two meals. Or you can do one meal fasting, which means you only eat one meal that day. Um, or you don't eat anything for that whole whole day. Um, whatever the Holy Spirit inspires you, like even when it comes to fasting, like I asked the Lord, like Jesus, I'm like, okay, Jesus, what do you think I should give up? And like, I would get these inspirations in my heart, like, okay, this is what you should be doing. And then I'll follow that. Um, I remember I was having a very hard time during last year when I, as I was wrapping up the religious education program for my middle schoolers. And when I was wrapping it up, I just felt like so disconnected, no change happening and everything. Um, and, you know, I kind of shared this with this group um, that I was doing Fiat 90 with. And some of the ladies in there gave me very awesome advice. And, you know, as they were talking, I was getting all of these beautiful, marvelous ideas in my head that I wanted to try out. 
But, you know, I stopped. And while I was on the plane going to visit my family, um, I was just like talking to Jesus in my heart. I was just like, Jesus, you know, I'm I'm going through the struggle with my um, middle schoolers and I don't know, like, you know, what should I do? And then at that moment, I asked Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to do? So Jesus um, pretty much gave me like a spiritual medicine um, to do for them um, and to um, not to take any credit, but all glory to God. He told me to pray one rosary for them, um, offer one stations of the cross and the divine mercy chaplet before that next session. And I did that um, along with my fasting. Um, and I remember like at the end of the class session, I mean, I really didn't feel like whatever God inspired me that day, I just went with that. Um, at the end of the session, I remember this one kid who was probably like kind of like the, you know, the regular kid. Um, he was just saying like how that class was the best one yet. And to me, first of all, we should not ask God for consolations or signs. You know, like um, whenever we do a ministry, we we always want to see our fruits because seeing our fruits kind of gives us our consolation. Kind of like, um, for example, if when Mother Teresa was ministering to the people that she was ministering to, um, she actually didn't get to see any of the fruits in her labor. Instead, all she got was curses and insults from the people that she was ministering to, like the people, like the poor people that she was helping. So it's always good to not seek appreciation from the ministry that we're doing. Like uh, maybe, like maybe, maybe we did do a good job, but it, it's hard to, because the reason that we seek an appreciation um, for the ministry that we do is because we have an our own attachment to ourselves. We have an attachment to our name. Like, you know, um, we want it to be like kind of praised or um, glorified. Even if it's not praised or glorified, we don't want something bad happening to our name. Um, and you see saints who were detached from their name, from their selves, even when they were accused for sins or things that we, they did not commit, they actually bear that silently. Um, and you actually see this example in many saints, like, you know, even when they were accused for things they were not, they have not committed, they bore that silently out of love for God. Um, because Jesus, he was insulted with so much mo- mocked, um, all of that for our own sins. He did not deserve to be mocked. He did not deserve anything. He, we did not even deserve to have him come and take this body, this fleshly body. But he did that all out of love for us. So it's also a good thing to meditate. Now going back to this woman who caught in, who was caught in adultery. You know, um, these Pharisees and scribes. So you see these are people with very good knowledge of the scripture and everything. Yet even though there are so many of us who may know scripture by knowledge there are, and i see that too like there are many people who know scripture like they probably know it by heart they have memorized lines of scripture and they know it in their mind but their hearts are far away from the lord so recently i happened to hear about like this very famous um preacher and he actually passed away in 2020 and he was so famous like he has so many youtube talks and all of that um, and once he passed away from this earth, um, one of the th- so many of um, 
so many hidden things about him started surfacing. So one of them was that actually there were so many sexual assaults against him from many women, but they all kept silent out of fear. So none of these women revealed the sexual harassments they received from this man who was preaching the word of the Lord um, until, you know, he died. So we see like, even though, and so many people were attracted to his talk, so many people were like amazed at it, but um, you see how his heart was far away from the Lord. Perhaps he, we cannot even condemn him because we do not know if he had a change of heart at its last moment. Let us pray and hope that he did. But this is how so many of us are. Like when Jesus talks about removing the log that is in your eye, he does not mean some other hypocritical people that we see in our society. He is talking to each one of us. Even I, I myself was one of those person who could not see my own sins because there was this huge log in my eyes. And I say that because now as the Lord strips me of my sins, you know, a log, it's, for example, if, if you imagine a tree, it is very hard to cut down a tree. Um, right? We need to like, sometimes if it's a really hard tree, you kind of need to like scrape it off, scrape it off, scrape it off, part a little by little, right? Um, how do you eat an elephant? Piece by piece, kind of like that, like you scrape it off little by little. And I feel like through my devotion to Mother Mary, little by little, Holy Spirit has been like scraping it off, scraping it off so that I can see how my sin, the effect of my sinfulness and how God sees me. And it scares me, it truly scares me to a point that I cannot even condemn another person. And this is why a lot of saints, they cannot condemn another sinner because they see how much they have hurt the Lord despite knowing Him so much. For example, we probably all, including me, I um, I, I probably, I grew up in a Catholic family. I was a cradle Catholic. Yet, no matter how much I knew the Lord, no matter the depth of the wisdom that I had, I committed so much sin and I was so far from Him. This is what's happening to many of us. Uh, we do not get to see how our sins affect our souls and others because we it's it's being hidden by a log and the worst is even though it's hidden by a log you know it's almost like the blind man trying to like you know put his hands out and he um, steps his finger on something and he thinks like that's a bad thing or something i don't know kind of like that like we we think that there are all of these um small mustard seeds in other people's eye and we we try to like pick it up why? Blindly, blindly, right? Because if, if there is a log in our eye, can we even pick it up? No, we can't. And this sort of motive is what causes us to accuse other people of their sins. Remember, if we are to accuse anyone of their sins, first and foremost, there is something in you, there's something in me that we need to address before the Lord. Unless, and that's why the Lord says, like, there is no one who can judge unless the Lord himself. So while we're here on this earth, we truly cannot judge a person. You know, if we know a person committed a sin, um, first thing and foremost, we do not go and tell another person, hey, do you know what so-and-so did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? I thought she was, she was such a holy woman or, you know, I thought this, this girl was the daughter of this holy woman or whatever. Um, like, 
we fall into and and one of the motivation for example when we bring others sin into the light of a community or something we're scapegoating and when we do that it's because we're trying to hide our own sins you know to make us feel better about ourselves like oh wow like at least i haven't done something as bad as her you know we're trying to make ourselves feel more good about our own righteousness a false sense of pride um and of of false sense of righteousness a false sense of righteousness out of our pride is being um is being is being taken place there and so um you see how they ask them so they are trying to remind Jesus of the law of Moses as if Jesus did not know the law they knew he knows the law and so they said hey what should we do and so they it says that they said this to test him so you see how Jesus ignores them as they first asked a question and he comes on writing and um but then they continue to ask sometimes when people might ask us you know like ask us to accuse other people or ask us to be part of gossiping conversations or ask us to judge another person first thing we can do is be silent because we automatically like want to listen like you see how Jesus has turned away from them he's not in a position where it seems as if he's listening to him um listening to them the crowd who wants to condemn this woman um and in the crowd the ones who brought this woman were the scribes and the pharisees the people who are held in high esteem but you see jesus take this alternative position and there is so much virtue in it for example whenever we have that um for example when something happens our automatic nature like say our children did something wrong our automatic nature is to yell at them i would say first when you get that motivation to yell at yell or be angry at someone stop don't do that and just take a moment just like jesus takes a moment because only when we take a moment to let and release our emotions to the lord because he was taking a moment when he was there and riding in the ground his heart was thinking about his father his heart was united with the lord so when we take the moment with the lord god will give us the guidance to respond to any situation like in this situation like they were they were looking to put Jesus in jail to to condemn Jesus and to you know to bring charges against him um so that they can bring him to the sanhedrin but you see like even when they were trying to trap him when G- they when Jesus took that moment when he united himself to his father he was able to respond to that situation in the way according to the will of the father So often times we can think about there are times when we lacked prudence. So whenever we feel like for example if our child um did something really wrong. I remember this one person he was t- sharing a testimony about this girl and this girl she used to um she used to always, you know, mess up in school, cause a lot of trouble and would always get in trouble, always be in the principal's office to a point one day um she caused so much trouble the cops came and the principal called her parents and everything and this girl came to the house and she was sharing about how usually every time she go to her house after causing some big trouble her parents just yell at her for like some a long time, you know, some 30 minutes or something. and um she was saying however this time it was different this time she did something even worse she went to her home like expecting like a big paragraph of like yelling and all of that and her parents did none of that 
they simply looked at her and they started crying. And she was saying like, at that moment, I hated it so much. I just wanted them to like stop crying and yell at me. And that was the first day since when her heart started changing. And you see how Jesus, like, you know, he did not, he, he looks at her and he asks her. He, he was not like, what did you do? How can you do this? He asked her, has no one condemned you? He's not standing there to condemn her. We can, we can think if it was our own child or our own family member, how much mad or angry we would have gotten. But he does not do anything. Rather, he spoke calmly. He spoke according to the will of Father. He, spokes, he speaks with mercy. And he says, and, she, and you can see how much her heart is broken. Now this woman who was waiting to be condemned by the Lord of Lords, by the King of Kings, is not condemned by him alone. But rather, that thought of being in front of the one who had the utmost, who deserved to condemn her. She, she could simply was just saying, no one condemned me. And so he tells her, go and from now on, to not sin anymore. So let us take this into our heart. Let's ask Jesus, Jesus, remove the obstacles, remove the logs from our own eyes so that we can see our own sins, so that we may not condemn other people. Jesus, give us the grace to see our own faults in front of our eyes, to not speak ill of another person, to not utter a negative word about someone but rather to see everyone with love, with compassion, to seek your will. Because if we do not seek union with the Lord, how, O Lord, can we know what is it that you will? We ask for this grace and we pray with Jesus to our Father in heaven as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.